Welcome to Wormhole Waffles, a Stargate podcast. Welcome to Wormhole Waffles. I'm your host, Chelsea, and with me is my co-host, Arzu. Hello. Last week, we talked about episodes 17 through 20 of Stargate Infinity. The week before that, we had our first analysis episode where we talked about seasons one through three as a whole of SG-1. And before that, we finished <laughs> off SG-1 season three with episodes 20 and 21. So now we're back to discuss the season three finale, Nemesis, and season four opener, Small Victories, which play as an arc. So Nemesis premiered on March 10th, 2000, and Small Victories premiered on June 30th, 2000. Both were written by Robert C. Cooper and directed by Martin Wood. So I was really glad that I was able to pair these together so we didn't have a cliffhanger this time. (laughs) Would you please summarize? There are bugs. Yeah. Giant bugs. So Jack is called by Thor to essentially help him deal with a bug infestation. But these aren't just bugs. They are techno bugs. Techno bugs. Replicators, if you will. Yes. Yes. And they are headed to Earth. They want to take over. I think they took over the Asgard homeworld. Maybe I misunderstood. They're trying to. They're trying to. They're trying yeah. to take over the Asgard homeworld. They also want to take over Earth. All of my phobias play out <laughs> in a 90 minute. Mo- most of my phobias play out in a 90 minute uh, time frame. So that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's do our quote reveal. Last week I gave you the quote. You're actually saying that you need someone dumber than you are. And your guess was that Jack is talking to Mayborn because Mayborn wants to do a mission initiative and they need someone who will do it unquestioningly. No, it was Daniel. <laughs> talking, talking to Thor. <laughs> talking to Thor. I think mine is funnier. So <laughs> they should have just taken that one. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So right off the bat in this one, we learned that Daniel is not going to have a really big role because he has appendicitis. And fun fact... Michael Shanks actually had appendicitis and actually his appendix burst the day before they started filming this, this episode. <laughs> so oh my God. he really was off having surgery. <laughs> and the surgical scar that we see towards the end, I think is probably a real scar. <laughs> I mean, probably. Yeah. I think they were like thinking of like, you know, what kind of in canon reason could they come up with that? Daniel couldn't be around. It's like, well, you know, appendicitis is normal. Like, it's a normal thing. It's normal and it's funny. <laughs> yeah, let's just be honest. I just, I thought it was funny that they're like, well, you're going to be out of commission for a week. So I have also had appendicitis. I was not out of commission for a week. They let me go after two days. Basically, as soon as I could go to the bathroom, I was allowed to leave. Well, that meant they didn't mess it up. They do let him walk around the base. I think it's more like if you consider the nature of SG-1's job, going to other planets and being thrown into situations where you literally have no idea what's going to happen and what kind of like physical circumstances you're going to be put in, then you probably need more than two days off. That's fair. But it made it seem like he was going to be bedridden for a week. And I'm like, Daniel, you're in better shape than I am. (laughs) There's no excuse. I think it was more like out of an abundance of caution. Okay, fair enough. Like, no, Daniel, you can't go on the spaceship. You can't go on the submarine. (laughs) You're still recovering from surgery. Again, valid, because when I had appendicitis, it was very close to Halloween, and I popped a stitch doing the time warp. Yeah. So, (laughs) don't recommend. (laughs) Don't do any vigorous dances after surgery. Don't, Don't do vigorous dances that call for that much throwing your hips around. But anyway, <laughs> um, and I did appreciate that Teal'c was canonically visiting his family in the, in the first scene of the show. I'm like, okay, good, yeah. See how easy it is to establish that he sees his family. It's just see like how one easy line. it is to care about your loved ones, Daniel. <laughs> yeah, literally, it's like you had one line to establish that Teal'c was off world, and then the next scene he was back. That was all it was sad because so jack's going fishing and he wants sam to go with him and sam's like no i want to do homework and i'm like guys you can't keep doing this to me today i almost broke i almost broke and just decided to look up like when they get together i didn't no when (laughs) if they get together i didn't 
I didn't look, but I re- this this episode almost broke me. I just think it's sad that like Teal finally gets a chance mm-hmm. to go home, and they're like, "Come back, we've got mm-hmm. Jack bullshit to deal with." Well, the way I think of it is more like, okay, this time he didn't get to go for very long, but it establishes the premise that whenever they have downtime, he's going to see his family. He's not abandoning them again. You know? Oh, that's that's completely fair. I just thought it wasn't fair that like he had to come back early. <laughs> they get so like so little time off. Yep. And Sam doesn't even want time off. And I'm like, girl, you need a break nerd, sometimes. Nerd. You can I know fishing is boring, but you can go with him. Where do you want to go? Minnesota? Uh-huh. You can go with him to Minnesota and then not go fishing. Exactly. You could do something else. <laughs> exactly. And like they really are killing me. They like how badly he wanted her to go with him. Uh-huh. She and really thought about it. Yeah, and I don't just think it's because he didn't want to be alone. Yeah. She thought about it. She really she did. did. <laughs> this is like not related to anything important, but I just want to say I think it's funny. Um, because this bridges a season. I think it's very funny that Sam's hair looks different. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, damn, that was quite the trip through the wormhole. Gave you little waves and everything. Yeah, so it's well, it's like they end up being away from the SGC for quote over a week so I don't know how long they were gone and yeah she comes back and her hair is like four inches longer (laughs) and it made me think like okay like what kind of vitamins is she taking to make her hair grow that fast because I need some yeah like (laughs) seriously and then I was thinking about how you call the Jolinar remnants in her brain her multivitamin that's it (laughs) You solved it. It's not just a multivitamin. It's like a silica vitamin. <laughs> so like the leftover Naquita in her blood system is making her hair grow really fast. There we go. I can't believe you cracked it. That's it. <laughs> but I mean, if she was gone for like a week and a half and it grew like four inches, she must be having to trim her hair like every three days. I'm, maybe. You know? <laughs> like Maybe it gets like aggravated by certain planetary conditions and that's what happened. But it doesn't happen all the time. I don't know. And I was also really confused about where they went because apparently there were some place where they couldn't shower because Jack smelled really bad. And But only but, Jack for some reason. But only Jack and Teal'c had a particularly trimmed goatee. It's <laughs> so like bad. they don't have showers, but they have razors. I <laughs> missed that it was a goatee at first. <laughs> So here's what I thought it was. And this is, we'll get into this when we get to um, the season four premiere. But like, one of the things that horrifies me to no end on like a psychological level was like the bit where the replicator came out, jumped on the guy's face and sprayed him while he was screaming. Like that just scares me on a deeply psychological level. Yes. Like I would have rather they shot him in the head. You know what I mean? So I thought, what I thought happened was when they were fighting the replicators in the prior episode that one of them had sprayed Teal'c in the face and I just like missed it. Oh. And a little egg sack on his chin. <laughs> no! That's what I thought. No! And then I got a better look and I'm like, oh no, that's just hair. <laughs> but it's then, bleached hair. It's just bleached hair. But then the idea of this egg sack didn't really go away. Oh. So when they go onto the ship and they see all the replicators with like the mama replicator, like the big one, I thought that the guy that got sprayed in the face got turned into a replicator and was now no. some human hybrid spider robot. No. And I had like pulled my <laughs> trash can out from under my table, prepared to vomit into it. Because I'm like, if I'm like, if this is what I think it is, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> no. Stargate never gets that gross. Okay, I don't... I was just, like, the trust was gone. <laughs> like, it's, it's here to mess me up. No, they're never that explicitly nasty like that. Like, no. Like, some sort of a hybrid body horror nightmare. <laughs> so, that didn't happen. No, <laughs> this is, like, a generally family-friendly show. They're not gonna have, like... I, okay, but, like, Indiana Jones is family-friendly, and faces melt, 
and people age yeah. rapidly and decompose while other people are screaming and like there's a reason i only like the fourth one because it doesn't scare me the way the first three do so what are they rated though aren't they like pg-13 yeah but like but i feel like this would be i feel like this would be more like pg what is stargate rated i have no idea does tv have the same tv has different ratings doesn't it they do but 14 tv 14 okay most episodes are tv 14 yeah so this is this is what i was afraid of I mean, I watched it younger than that, and I was fine. So, and and I'm a wimp when it comes to horror type stuff. So, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> anyway, back to the season three finale. Yeah. Oh, I will. I will just point out that when I was talking about how Teal'c has a very finely trimmed goatee, it is also bleached. So he has a razor and hair dye. But Jack can't take a shower. I like the idea that like Sam is putting <laughs> curlers in her hair and like Teal is dying and trimming his beard and Jack's like, I don't need soap. <laughs> it's fine. That just makes me think that anytime he goes on vacation, he's not showering. You know, like he only showers for the benefit of other people. <laughs> is Jack one of those guys who doesn't wash his legs because he's like the soap runs down? <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Probably. Jack, no! <laughs> I can fix you. Really dirty, but unless his legs like actually have dirt on them, then <laughs> even then, I I can't. Oh, that's nasty. <laughs> Jack, wash your legs. Sam will make him wash his legs. So, so she will make him. I don't know. I'm just making this up. It's not a maybe. She will make him <laughs> wash his legs. So it happens. I mean, I don't know the state, the cleanliness of Jack's legs, so I don't know if Sam is making him wash them. But she's in a position to do so. (laughs) Anyway. Oh, dear. Anyway, we have a new villain called the Replicators. I agree that, like, so the very first, I mean, the first three minutes of the show was entirely in Russian with no subtitles, but I don't think it mattered that we're subtitles. Because yours didn't have subtitles either, right? Mine didn't have subtitles either. Okay. Well, I was watching on Prime and there's no subtitles, but it really doesn't matter because, I mean, you just got the idea that they're like, oh, hey, what's that noise? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Let's check it out. Yeah, the fact that the replicator sprayed that guy. I was like, where is the replicator keeping the juice of whatever it is that he's spraying? You know what I mean? Because you can see the exact structure of these techno spiders. So, like, where is this pouch where this liquid is being kept? You know what I mean? Inside. Where? Inside. One of of the pieces is a spray nozzle. (laughs) And then also when they're eating and they're collecting material, I'm like, where are they keeping it? There's got to be some kind of pouch on their belly, maybe, that you just, it's not super obvious. You know the, that, that um, video of like a spider in Australia and the guy hits it with a broom and then all these tiny spiders jump off of it? Uh-huh. That's what this looks like. With right. the mama spider and all the little spiders. And then yeah. she's making them into bigger spiders. I'm like, this is a nightmare born of the nation of Australia. <laughs> no offense to Australia, but your spiders scare me. Well, yeah, I mean, they should. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know if it's true, but when I first moved to Europe, I heard that there are no venomous spiders in Europe. And I was like, I don't know if that's true, but I like the sound of it. <laughs> so, Back to the plot. Back to the plot. <laughs> so Thor comes on a ship and his ship is infested with replicators and he pulls Jack up onto the ship. Well, I guess beams is a better word. He's not like literally pulling him. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, help. I need somebody dumber than me to help solve this problem. And also I'm dying. And uh, so Jack asks he like calls back to the SGC and I wrote down everything he asked for. He asked for a SPAS 12, BF8, 10 pounds of PBX, and a USAS. So a SPAS 12 is a dual mode shotgun capable of semi-automatic or pump action. 
BF8 is a, a brand new thing that was invented for Stargate. So okay. I don't know. <laughs> PBX is a polymer bonded explosive. So explosive powder is bound in a matrix using synthetic polymers. And USAS-12 is an automatic shotgun. And also spacesuits. So initially, yeah, Sam and Teal'c come on board, even though Jack tells them not to, because he thinks it's going to be a suicide mission. And they're like trying to think of ways to blow up the ship and deal with the replicators. And basically Thor is like, well, our technology is so advanced that you can't effectively blow up anything. (laughs) So much for the explosives. Yeah. And so they're like, well, then what are we doing here? <laughs> and so they eventually figure out that they can place an explosive directly on the hull of the ship over the deceleration drive, which I think was just invented for this episode. Because <laughs> <laughs> they needed one. Yeah. <laughs> so that they could send the ship in an uncontrolled entry into the atmosphere. And make sure that it stayed uncontrolled and blew up the ship. So that was like the the ultra sci-fi part of this. Or the ultra science part, I guess, of this episode. And it technically works except for one of the replicators survives. And finds its way onto a Russian submarine. And kills all the people on the sub. So that's not great. Not ideal, no. No, because now Russia is super sus. And meanwhile, like the US has been going on DEFCON 3 and then DEFCON 2. And Russia is like, hold the phone. (laughs) Are we at war? (laughs) And uh, I feel like we're just constantly like that with Russia in real life. So, you know. A little, little realism sprinkled into your Stargate. Yep, yep. It's accurate. I do appreciate... Thor's quote that overconfidence in our technology has been our undoing. Oh, hey, we love a little sprinkle of reality in our Stargate. (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah, we've seen several groups of people who have not done well despite being super advanced. So being advanced doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to survive forever. Yeah. I also... I'm always appreciative. I really like Major Davis for some reason, even though he's like a rule follower. Nothing wrong with a rule follower. Yeah, I find his presence comforting for some reason. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it is. Yeah, and I thought it was funny how he was just like, I'm really rooting for you guys and I'm trying to work with you, but like also I have people to answer to that don't like your decisions. So I'm in between a rock and a hard place here. (laughs) Like, yeah, I hear that. I think that is the most middle management comment I've ever seen in my life. Yes. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. Like when, when you kind of empathize with the people who answer to you, but at the same time, you know that whatever they're going through is not going to fly yeah. with the people you answer to. Like, yeah, so very middle management. It really is. He's trying his hardest. <laughs> he really is. He's doing his best. And I, I did think it was funny too, how, so in order to put the bomb on the outside of the hull, uh, somebody has to get into a spacesuit and like physically go put it out there. And initially, Jack volunteers, but Sam is like, you know, there might be uh, radiation. And Jack is like, Teal'c can go. Teal'c has the mega multivitamin. <laughs> exactly. He has a better multivitamin than Sam does, for sure. So Might as well. <laughs> he can handle it. And he even, like, has to take advantage of Kelnorim also because there's uh, some kind of substance drops onto his air tank and creates a hole and he loses all of his air. And so he has to go into Kelnorim in order to not die. That's one of my nightmares. The hole in the air tank. <laughs> yeah. You will never catch me going to space on anything smaller than the USS Enterprise. <laughs> it's like me not going to the ocean in a tin can. I was about to say that, too. I was like, the ocean actually would be worse. The ocean would be worse, but I simply will not visit either. (laughs) Because the ocean has much more pressure. I was going to say too soon for my tin can comment. By the time this comes out, it's not too soon. 
Oh yeah, we're like six weeks ahead. We can we can make jokes about the tin can. That's fine. I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry about the tin can. I'm sorry that people died, but it is also a, a very amusing situation. <laughs> Our zoo is gesturing like, "Am oh. I sorry?" That's bad. I'm sorry for the 19 year old. That's true. It's but yeah, his brain was not fully developed. He did not want to go. Child. He, he did not want to go, and his dad made him go. But the yeah. other four, yeah, four less billionaires to worry about. We're gonna get canceled. This is gonna be the episode that gets us canceled. <laughs> anyway, we're like talking about this like it's so topical because like it is for us. But by the time this comes out, it's in September, and people are like, "Why do you still care?" Yep, <laughs> we don't. But in June, we do. Yep, it's true. And yeah, anyway, this whole like spacesuit thing, it made me wonder what Asgard spacesuits look like. I mean, they'd have to have some because they have an airlock door. So you wouldn't need an airlock door if you didn't occasionally have the need to use it. Unless the airlock door is more for their stuff than for them. Like you just close it, it was, off the space. So no, because it, it was very small. Up. That wasn't like a cargo door. It was definitely like a one person size. But any door. door. You would need, huh? any, like, like stuff can go out through any size door. Yeah, but if you're bringing on cargo, you're not going to bring it through a person-sized door. You're going to bring it through, like, a huge cargo hold space. But that's what I'm saying. Like, they have a door, an airlock door, so that they can go in and out with a double whatever, like, uh -huh. like a layer of protection so their stuff doesn't get sucked out. You know what I mean? Like, for but the pressure in the ship, not not because they can't breathe. No, but I mean, like, why would they need to go out? That's my for point. Fun. <laughs> for fun. I don't know. I don't know what they do all day. They contemplate matters. What if you universe. want to go contemplate matter surrounded by dark matter? Ooh. Uh, I Wait, guess. Dark matter is something else. I feel like they're not a very, like, recreational type people. Like, if they have need to go out. They well, can. that was my point. Like, I, it, it makes me wonder why they would need to go out and like oh well that i have no idea i'm just yeah. thinking about the practicality of having the door i don't know why they would need one because their technology is so advanced that they wouldn't normally need to go outside their ship just in case yeah i don't know or anyway. to let people in i don't know anyway <laughs> oh and then teal had a really great line right before he went out the outer airlock Jack asks him for like final words and he says one small step for Jaffa. That was so cute. Yeah. That was such a cute moment. Like that means that he's like really catching up on cultural stuff, you know. Jack was beaming all proud. <laughs> yeah, he's like I mean it's been we're on our fourth year now, so you know, Teal's getting the references in. Yeah. And so they they manage to blow up the ship and it conveniently lands not far off the west coast of the United States. <laughs> so that it's like easy for the Navy to go out there and recover pieces of the ship that landed in the ocean. You know. As you do. I also thought it was very convenient that when they beamed up the Stargate from the SGC onto the ship so that they could dial out and not get blown up that the stargate held enough residual power in its power banks to be able to dial out once i'm like that is extremely convenient i'm pretty sure that's the first time we've seen that <laughs> i mean i guess it technically makes sense because we know that the stargate does have power cells it just felt like something that they came up with last minute and we're like we really need them to be able to dial without hooking up a power source to it. <laughs> well, I guess necessity is the mother of invention. Now they've yeah. got a new skill. The yeah. Target's got a new skill. Yep. That's also like the third time you said that about this episode. It's like it does this thing that we've never heard of before. <laughs> so, you know, they're in season four and they're getting creative now. Yeah. Yeah. And so that basically ends the season three closer. And so the season four opener, oh, and at the at the end of the season three, it's like, okay, Sam and Teal'c and Jack gate to another planet besides Earth, obviously, and 
the SGC has to unpack the secondary Stargate that they had in storage, and it apparently takes them almost two weeks to set it up. <laughs> so, government efficiency. I guess. And so that's when they come back and Sarah, Sam's hair is all on there. Teal gets goatee. And Jack smells. Jack smells. But then we get a really cute little moment of Sam and Jack together. Sam is looking through a magnifying glass at a replicator block. And then Jack sticks his face under the magnifying glass. My baby. <laughs> They're so cute. They are. And this time it makes more sense that Sam doesn't want to take time off because they were just off world for over a week doing nothing. And now they still have a replicator problem to solve. So (laughs) this time it makes more sense. Doing nothing literally because Jack wasn't even showering. (laughs) I was also noticing in these episodes like when they jump back and forth between like CGI Thor and puppet Thor. So it's like all the close-ups are puppet, but then anytime he has to like walk or do big movements, it's like CGI. And, and like we see, there's a scene where we see other Asgard in the background. I'm like, Oh, hello CGI. (laughs) (laughs) Their CGI is getting good. Yeah. It's getting better. I was very impressed with the replicator CGI. I feel like even the puppet is is looking better. Yes, he is. He's looking, looking much livelier. Solid. They they touched him a lot in this episode, which sounds creepier than it was. But <laughs> <laughs> there was one point where Jack like kind of like slapped Thor on the shoulder, and I was like, "You gotta be careful. That Thor weighs like twenty pounds. <laughs> like if you slap him too hard, you're gonna push him over." Jack had a Jack had a son. He knows how to like. Yeah. He knows the right amount of pressure to apply when you're being jovial. Yeah. Well, and then Sam hugs Thor and he is jostled. And I'm like, his neck look looks like it's gonna snap. Like he's a baby. Me <laughs> hugging my short friends. Yeah. That's what it feels like. Yeah. So in the season four opener. They find out that there is, they have to go take care of the submarine and simultaneously Thor needs help because there are some replicators that are about to arrive on his home planet. So then we have a, like a dual plot of Sam going with Thor to help him with his problem and Jack and Daniel and Teal'c dealing with the submarine problem. So Sam goes off with Thor And there are three ships controlled by replicators on their way to his home planet. And he says that he needs somebody dumber than him to help figure out a way to destroy the replicators because he's done everything he can think of. I am too smart to solve this problem. Uh, And we find out that they have this brand new ship that they're building with the best, brightest, newest technology. And it's called the O'Neill, which is really cute. Because they love him. I feel like Thor's opinion of Jack is like, he's an idiot, but he's my idiot. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly it. That's like the way he loves Jack. Like, that's exactly it. Yeah, like when they had that conference with the Gua'uld in the previous season, he was like, Jack is going to be the spokesperson. Uh, No questioning that. Like, that's a thing. It's happening. And then in this one, he's like, I got to bring Jack on board to solve my problem for me. (laughs) Jack's his favorite human. Yeah, he is. It's really cute. It's so cute. It's like Jack is his pet. (laughs) Honestly. And so, basically, in Sam's Sam and Thor's plot, she figures out that they can destroy the replicators by using the brand new ship as bait and getting the replicators to follow in hyperspace where they can't use shields and initiating a self-destruct so that all the replicator ships following in hyperspace also get blown up. Right. So, that's fair. I feel like that was, like very standard sci-fi kind of resolution to that problem. Yeah. 
And I was wondering what you think in terms of like comparing it to how hyperspace works in other sci-fi media where it's like in this one, it's clearly essentially a wormhole is created and multiple ships can follow each other in the same wormhole traveling Mm -hmm. through hyperspace. Whereas I feel like there's other sci-fi where you couldn't do that necessarily. And it's one ship has essentially like a pocket around it. Like a so what I know about this is granted it's limited, but I know in Star Trek when they go to like warp speed, um that creates a pocket, right? Well it it does something where like they eventually get the ability to go at X speed like warp factor nine. Mm-hmm. is where the drives develop to and then halfway through the next generation they realize this is bad for the space environment mm-hmm. so they have to go slower but you're usually on your own and then in Star Trek Into Darkness the one with Benedict Cumberbatch somebody gains the ability to go faster than them at warp and catch up to them in warp but that's mm-hmm. like weird and that's what the villain does and that's like cause for concern Okay. And then in Star Wars, at first it was just, we're going to go fast. Whereas now with all the canon development, it sounds almost like they're lanes, like shipping lanes. Yeah. But then you're in your own, everybody's going the same speed. So unless you're like stuck together, you're on your own. But then also we've seen like, oh, now I can't remember if this is fan fiction or not. I was going to say we've seen ships traveling together in warp speed, like two ships, but I can't remember if that was fanfic. Hmm. In like Rebels, did I make that up? Like the like, ship and the ghost, they were like traveling together. In I feel like there's both types in Star Wars because there are hyperspeed lanes for sure. And those are the ones that are used to travel significant distances. Yeah. But I feel like outside of the hyperspace lanes, there is just, like, normal going to hyperspace. Yeah, like, you you chart a specific course. Mm -hmm. The logic, I guess, being that you can't just, like, go because then you do what happens in The Last Jedi and you collide with something. So the lane takes you from point A to point B without colliding with another ship or a planet or whatever. Yeah. And then if you're at the High Republic, which I highly recommend, um, the lanes are something you can also crash into. Right. Like uh, perpendicularly. Yeah. So thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Yeah, I feel like, because I mean, in Star Wars, it's like the hyperspace lanes are like fixed in space. Yeah. And I feel like in Stargate, it has it's the same concept except they're not fixed they're spontaneous but you can have multiple ships following each other in the same path if that makes yeah. sense i mean i think they all they all make sense in the world in which they exist yes yeah i think stargate is more temporary hyperspace lane type deal rather than a bubble of space-time. Yeah. I think Stargate is like a wormhole that opens and closes, whereas hyperspace is like a wormhole that's just always open. Yeah. Well, that's why I was thinking, like, temporary hyperspace lane. Yeah. Like, it closes behind you. Finite. Yeah. Like, there's a very, very short window in which one ship jumps and another ship could follow it, but it's... But it's very brief because it does essentially like close as you're moving through it. It closes behind you. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I wanted to see this answer of the hyperspace thing. Can two ships follow each other? So I asked Candace. Candace (laughs) would know. Okay. So Sam's dumb idea saves thor and his planet so they are still generally at war with replicators because their home planet in the ida galaxy is still being bombarded with replicators there which 
I think the one, the planet that they saved in this episode was their planet in the Milky Way, I'm assuming. Because they didn't specifically mention going to a different galaxy. And they were, like, close enough? Yeah, they were pretty close. They got there pretty quickly. So I'm assuming it's within the Milky Way, whereas they still have an ongoing war in the Ida galaxy. And so they are able to save the day and come back to Earth. Meanwhile, Jack and Teal'c have been trying to figure out how to kill the mother replicator on the submarine. And they take like two random airmen with them into the sub. I'm like, well, they're going to die. <laughs> the expendables. Yep. The red shirts. <laughs> Although I think only one of them died. I think the other one survived. So Look at him breaking stereotypes. Yeah. The unnamed one survived. Because <laughs> it was like, Spencer's died. <laughs> the unnamed one is fine. So that we can feel bad for him. Like, yeah. No, not Spencer. Yep. <laughs> and so they eventually figure out that what they have to do is individually destroy the original replicator, which they do by first throwing a grenade and then shooting it. And then they can blow up the submarine with the rest of the replicators and it will get rid of all of them. Which works! And at the very last second, Thor and Sam come back and beam Teal'c and Jack out of the submarine so they don't die in the explosion. Yay! Yay! Not dying. Yeah, I agree that the the queen replicator was creepy. But still relatively small. I feel like there's a potential for uh, bigger. In this case, bigger is not better. <laughs> okay, so um, Waffle Boss and resident mm-hmm. Star Wars Rebels expert Candace weighs in. Uh-huh. The Phantom and the Ghost fly together through hyperspace without being attached. Okay. So it is possible. Okay. Interesting. I just couldn't remember if that was from a fanfic I'd read or not. Okay. So needed to check. Well, thank you, Candace. Oh, one funny thing when uh, Sam was with Thor was that she mentioned how she was hungry and he offers her food and his food is basically like Starburst, but apparently it tastes really bad. <laughs> And I was like, well, the Asgard are carbon-based life forms, but their physiology is pretty different from humans, so they just don't need the same nutrients, I guess. I'm just shocked it didn't, like, kill her. Right? But, I mean, they, I mean, they are still carbon-based, so it wasn't, like, introducing a totally foreign thing, but, yeah. <laughs> Not good food. I would have thought that he would know that because like the Asgard have studied humans in the past. So they should know exactly what kind of food humans eat. And it's not their little starburst. He wanted her to sample the food of his people. I guess I, I loved her face. It was like so disgusted. He's like, he's annoying, but he's so wholesome. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I also appreciated the kind of like holographic or I guess digital diagrams of like the Asgard ships going through hyperspace, like the screen that Sam was watching. I'm like, this is a cute little video. (laughs) This is nice. Now they've got the, um, the effects for it. Right. And at the end, Thor is like, Maybe sometime in the future we can help you fight the gold. And it's like eventually. Oh, buddy. <laughs> oh, buddy. Uh, I'm like, you know, Thor, the time for you to help with the gold was like 10,000 years ago before they gained the dominance that they have now. So it's kind of like too little, too late. <laughs> he perceives time and space differently. So. That's true. That's true. That's all. Because we don't actually know how old Thor is. I'm assuming several thousand years old because they're, they clone themselves. Right. And so there's no telling how old Thor actually is. I mean, at least as old as the time of the Vikings, but I'm assuming way older than that. So they do, obviously they perceive time differently. So he's like, yeah. 
He didn't care about the gold conflict until they threatened his pet. Yep. <laughs> Pretty much. And then Jack invites him to go fishing. And Thor yep. reacts the way every woman who sees a fish pick on a dating app reacts and gets himself out of there. Yeah, I was going to say, he nopes out of there real quick. Jack, <laughs> don't post the fish pic. No. Oh, man, you you know if he was on a dating app, he would have a picture of his cabin in Minnesota for sure. But he wouldn't be holding a fish. He, I know he wouldn't do it. He's too classy for that. <laughs> he would just have a picture of this is what the view is when I'm fishing. Yeah. You know? And like an awkward, he's just like standing in front of the lake, like awkwardly because Teal took the picture because he's like, you have to be in the picture. It's a dating app. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. There's there's plenty of pictures on dating apps that have no people in them. So that, oh, I know, but I feel like I feel like Teal, being the reasonable and happily married man that he is, would be like, O'Neill, they want to see her face. <laughs> Get in there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, another thing that was kind of cute was so Daniel has a line about how he wishes that he was up on the spaceship with them instead of recovering from the surgery. And he kind of was because Michael Shanks' voice is Thor. So. <laughs> I can't remember if it was in that episode or the one before where he was saying like he wishes he was up there because he doesn't know what's going on. And Hammond's like, now you know how I feel. Yep. Yeah. And I was like, was oh, Papa Hammond. <laughs> yeah. The um, planet that Sam and Jack and Teal gate to p4x234 i looked it up and it's never mentioned in any other sg1 episode so i have no idea what's on that planet bleach razors curlers (laughs) but no soap yeah (laughs) or maybe they have soap but it's like a floral soap and jack's like i'm not Mm. using that yeah that's true and tilk's fine with it he's like tilk's like whatever he looks like I'm masculine enough, like I'm centered in my masculinity enough that I can use floral soap and not care. It didn't occur to me till, I mean, like it kind of occurred to me, but until this episode, how much of like an all-American manly man Jack is supposed to be. Yeah. Because he's like so un, he's generally pretty unproblematic. Yeah. And untoxic, unlike a lot of the other like all-American manly mans that you see on TV. Yeah. So... Didn't occur to me that that's what they're going for until he talked about fishing like five times in two episodes. Yeah. I'm like, oh, right. Yep. Fishing and like classic TV shows and movies. And our all-American man cannot pronounce deja vu. (laughs) No, because he's too American for that. He doesn't speak French. Deja vu. I was like, ow. (laughs) That hurt. (laughs) That hurt my French ears. (laughs) Also, like, deja vu is, like, a thing we say in English. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not, like, it's not, like, a, it's a French phrase, but it's not something, like, English speakers don't use. Well, that's what I mean. Like, he even said it wrong. Like, besides the point of not having a French accent when you're saying it, he's not saying it, like, the normal English way. That's what I mean. Like, I I would never say, I'm having a serious case of deja vu. Like, I would never say it that way. No, no, no. I'm speaking English. Because people would think you're pretentious. Exactly. And like, I'm speaking English. I'm not going to swap accents halfway through the sentence. But like, he's too American to acknowledge Mm. that he's using a French phrase. Yeah. Do you think he would call them freedom fries? Well, I guess we'll find out in season five. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so afraid. I'm not laughing because I think it's funny. I'm laughing because I'm afraid. (laughs) I, like oh, this is really gonna be the episode that gets us canceled. I'm not not laughing for that. That's not what's funny. I'm so afraid how this us versus them show is gonna get when we start fighting the war on terror. <laughs> I think it'll be okay. I don't remember anything particularly bad. Yes, we'll see. Like the closer we get to 2001, the more nervous I get. I don't think they ever specifically mentioned 9/11. I don't so think I don't, no, but they don't have to mention 9-11 for it to suddenly be like about 9-11. I don't know. Maybe unless 9-11 just didn't happen in this version of reality. 
I mean, that's possible, but I mean, like, the writers suddenly wanting to make a point about, like, they're coming here to kill us. Right. We should kill them first. That's what I'm afraid of. I mean, I don't recall that offhand, but I could be wrong. Anyway. Yeah. I have an, in my notes, I feel like this is the longest stretch of silence we've ever had in an episode. It must have been one of, like, the submarine scenes. I, maybe when Jack and Teal'c were on the submarine by themselves. I can't remember exactly. I will say, with all the silence, this is the first time I've noticed the score. Yeah. It was, like, nice. It was eerie and kind of cool. And I mean, I think it's always there and it's always nice, but then when you have more silence, not quite so much dialogue filling up the space, then you can appreciate it more. Yeah, and I felt like I really could this time. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice when we get to hear background stuff like that. I think we've covered everything in my notes. Anything else you want to talk about? I have like my general sentiment. Mm-hmm. Something I realized watching these episodes. Uh-huh. I don't like the like lore heavy ones mm-hmm. as much as I like the mission of the week ones. Uh-huh. And I think it's because they like they spend so much time like trying to build out the lore for long-term use uh-huh. that they forget to tell a self-contained story. Right. Like the exception was last season, the one with Scara I really liked, but I've also been invested in Scara since I was about 10 years old Yeah. in a way that I just wasn't invested in the rest of this. So, yeah. but that was like a payoff from the movie. So I was happy or not the movie, like yeah. right after the movie. So I was yeah. happy that that got paid off. But generally like my favorite episodes are always like the mission of the week because they have to tell a beginning, middle, and end of how all of this works yeah. in 45 minutes. Yeah. So I just really like my general sentiment watching this. I was like, it was 90 minutes, but not a ton happened. Mm-hmm. There was like action, but there wasn't a ton of story to it mm-hmm. because they're building out like long-term replicator, Asgardian yeah. lore. So it was just a thought I had. I mean, I feel like this was pretty well self-contained because it introduces this new villain and it solves the problem of the replicators both on earth and on the Asgard planet in the Milky way for now. Yeah. But it just like leaves the door open to the replicators coming back at some point in the future. I guess I just, I don't know. It's one of those things where I'm like a lot happened, but not a lot happened. Yeah. And I'm like, I think it's because it was so concerned with putting the building blocks in place that like. Oh, I feel like, like it was more, it was more like action heavy and I guess maybe not as much character development. So maybe that's what you're missing. Yeah, it could, it could be like, I will zone out during an action scene, which is weird that the Fast and the Furious franchise is one of my favorites because it's mostly <laughs> cars. But um, if there's too much action, like in a book, in a TV show, in a movie, like I will zone out. So mm-hmm. Maybe I just thought like, but the character beats are like what keeps me invested. So right, there weren't really a ton of character beats, which is also why I liked the Sam and Jack exchange over fishing so much because it's like a character yeah. beat, or like yeah. the Hammond and Jack, not Jack, and Hammond and Daniel yeah. thing of like now you know how yeah. I feel when you guys all go away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree that there wasn't a lot of character work in these episodes necessarily. But I do think it had the feel of an adventure of the week because it was a self-contained story. Even though it's leaving the door open to replicators coming back in the future, it still solved the problem that it started. Well, yeah, but all of them do that. Not necessarily because like the stuff with Apophis, we may solve the immediate problem, but like we still know he's out there. Well, it's the and- same with the replicators. We solve the immediate problem, but we know they're out there. But Apophis is more of an immediate threat because he's specifically wants to hurt SG-1. But that, that to me makes it a more interesting threat. Like even if they solve the immediate problem, like it, like the, the replicators felt like one of those background problems that are going to come back uh-huh. in like three seasons and it's, and it's like, remember? And I'm like, kind of. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? But, but then yeah. for that to be the payoff, it was like yeah. so much time was spent on it. Yeah. At the expense of character stuff. But that, like I am fully acknowledging also that this is like a personal preference and not yeah. a problem with how the show is written because this is very much the format of the show. Yeah. Well, the good thing about the replicators is that 
because they're so adaptable, because they literally are what they eat, they have a lot of potential for change. They should give so, them, like, potatoes. Potatoes? <laughs> That's not technology, though. They only eat technology. They grow sprouts if you leave them too long. <laughs> what is that if not technology? Like, natural technology. Okay. <laughs> I think that would be very funny. <laughs> <laughs> Bunch of replicators made out of potatoes. Yeah, then you just throw them in the grill. <laughs> Not the well, yeah, so you, like, get a like in the deep fryer, now you got replicator french fries. Well, so you like just get a flamethrower then and cook them. Yeah. Yeah. Problem solved and everybody <laughs> eats. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I'll be interested to see like how your feelings about the replicators develop over time. Okay. And how you think they compare as a villain to the gold. The gold are more fun. So far. They're not going to top the gold unless they start making them out of potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. I don't think there's really anything problematic in these two episodes. I don't know, man. That beard was pretty problematic. (laughs) The goatee? Yeah. The little (laughs) little patch. The little tuft of velvet they stuck on his face. That is subjective. (laughs) Did you like it? I, no, but I also didn't hate it. I'm ambivalent about it. It's like a landing strip. <laughs> a bleached one. Well, you know, some people... Okay, anyway. Um... <laughs> Any other final thoughts? No. PG ones? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next week we're going to be talking about SG-1 Season 4, Episodes 2 and 3, The Other Side, and Upgrades. Arzu, are you ready for your next quote? Yes. I thought the devices were supposed to enhance them physically, not make them stupid. Dr. Fraser. Okay. Somebody's come back. I don't know if it's SG-1 or the problem of the weak people, but they've brought them. Something's gone wrong. No, it is the problem of the weak people because it's them. They've come back, they've brought them back, and they're like meathead jocks. (laughs) And they're stupid. Okay. (laughs) We'll see how that goes. That's it for today. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would love for you to rate us five stars wherever you can. If you want to talk to us about Stargate, you can find us on our podcast Twitter and Tumblr page at Wormhole Waffles. You can find me on Twitter and Tumblr at Chelsea Fairless. Arzu, how about you? You can find me on Twitter at Arzu Amin. You can find me on Blue Sky now at, Ooh, Ar- at Arzu Amin it. there as well. I'm at Arzu D2 everywhere else. As a network, we are on Twitter at Geeky underscore Waffle. We are The Geeky Waffle on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Tumblr. We are on YouTube at The Geeky Waffle. We are at thegeekywaffle.com. And we are on Patreon, patreon.com slash thegeekywaffle. Thanks for joining us today. And we'll see you on the other side of the event horizon.